2: Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Eric Mann. On this week's episode, we will be talking about the Michigan basketball team, which has run into a very specific defensive problem. And what's the deal with Isaiah Livers? We've got football recruiting and coaching news and more. The first thing, guys, I want to talk about is our bowl mania pool because I won. I didn't participate, so I you know I <laughs> you awarded no try. points. I didn't and try. God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> uh, I ended up tying for first with someone else, but this person did not put in the tiebreaker score. So even though my score was not particularly accurate, it was you, enough to give me the win by default. What was your score? I think I had like 27-24. So did you take LSU or Clemson? I had L S U. But in the when I asked for you guys' predictions yesterday, yeah, yeah. So you were the only one to I know. I want to feel like I'm hedging, and I would be right no matter what. And I could, <laughs> I could say I had Clemson. I don't know. I mean, I just I did have a change of heart. Obviously, with you know that one I picked before the season, before the bowl started, now, I could have changed it, but I didn't want to change it. You now they were the favorite, and uh, I don't know. I don't know why I switched to Clemson in our picks. Thing. Well, according to your message, yeah, it was because only norms. one man was brave enough to pick the team whose quarterback has. Never lost. Yeah, man, he was it not very good Monday. He was, yeah. not, he was not particularly good. I've learned what not to you? use the past to project the future. Well, what do you use to project the future then? You didn't I project in any way. You made no. no picks.
1: No, no. I mean, for the my picks. <laughs> oh, gotcha. I, pay, yeah, yeah. I picked
0: LSU to win. Yeah,
2: yeah, they were favored.
0: Yeah, I don't they won I've, by
2: more than I think any of us said. Yeah, yeah. It was the way the game started. I was yeah. not. It should have been twenty-four. They should have scored the end. Too, yeah, right? sure. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. So I don't don't know. Anyway, takeaways from the national championship, Ryan. You had a story actually about this, about how here are the teams that competed for the national championship, and here's what Michigan is lacking that those teams had. Yes, would you like to speak about that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing was, I mean, obviously
0: it starts with the quarterback position. Both guys are considered elite players at their position. Obviously, Joe Burrow played better than than Lawrence yesterday, and I mean he had one of the best seasons in college football history. I mean, sixty passing touchdowns, almost six thousand yards passing.
2: I mean, their team in general did too I mean not really you know somebody 726
0: games. points score were the most in the AP poll era and that's including facing
2: seven top 10 teams this year yeah it's I and mean and it at the end of the day they, they get the win over you know their two playoff wins two best wins of the season, yeah. essentially. Beat Ohio State and Clemson yeah. on neutral fields. And then Alabama, a team that right. turned out to Beat be... Beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Okay, Georgia, mean, right. A team that finished in the top five or yeah. four or something like that. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. a heck of a season.
1: Those numbers you guys mentioned and the points scored, I think, are just a reflection of the, the game of football nowadays. It's an offensive yeah. line in game. It's the, it's run and shoot, as you saw the other night. They connected on so many big plays. And, and Burrow, he's a good player. Like,
2: he's he's <laughs> yeah. a really good player. And he was um, a third string in Ohio State. I mean, this is what I was talking about, that these, these yeah. top programs have an excess of quarterbacks and Mm -hmm. talent. And I know he, he considered Michigan or at least visited or Michigan contacted him. There was, you know, when he did his, his transfer, Michigan was was interested at least, but yeah, it didn't land him And, yeah, I mean, we see with Alabama, too, had, you know, guy like Jalen Hurts that they can just. Uh,
0: I wonder how many teams are going to try and implement maybe like a new offense, kind of like what LSU did this year. They bring in Joe Brady and he kind of just transforms their whole offense and turns him into a, an elite offense that college football really hasn't seen in quite some time. I mean, that's what he was able to do yeah. with that program. And it, it, started, it starts with receivers, too. I mean, they had two receivers with over 1,500 yards receiving this year. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned this in the article, like Michigan had talent. Talented receivers this year but they didn't have that deep threat that can just burn by opposing team secondaries get open and go off for like a 75 yard touchdown i mean jefferson and chase were unbel- unbelievable during the playoffs i mean chase on monday what he was able to do was uh, quite impressive against man coverage
1: it just goes to show what good recruiting and player development can do for a team I mean, Michigan's been, you know, middling for a while with it comes to recruiting. They've had some good classes. Yeah, Nine catch-up. Yeah, and, and you are going to develop the talent and, and turn them into good players. LSU's done that. You saw that with Burrow and some of the receivers, and it's a blueprint I think many programs you know be looking at in the future.
0: I, I did crunch some numbers for, for the last four recruiting classes, and Michigan's average ranking was the same as Clemson's during that span, at number 11 in the country. So, I mean, Clemson did bring in nine five star prospects during that time compared to five for Michigan and Michigan had one of them transfer as well and hasn't really gotten as much production but i mean it shows that yeah player development i think is the biggest key here i mean lsu was had an average ranking of 7th in the country which is solid mm-hmm. but i mean that's not top
2: 5 not top 2 not so than I mean, michigan, yeah. yeah so yeah and they're certainly playing catch up with what you said about modernizing the offense and things like that michigan Took that step last year. We'll see now if they can start recruiting to it. You know, making it their, you know, their staple. But I mean, the highlight of the game, I guess, besides um, the Dr Pepper Big Fan <laughs> reveal would be the post-game story <laughs> of Odell Beckham Jr. just passing out cash. to <laughs> player's right on the field. Just, <laughs> right I, after the game. I love he's oh. not, not trying to hide it. Oh, counting 100 And LSU's response, you, Aaron, you say is? It was fake money. Fake money. I, I don't know if LSU is somebody was saying it was fake not money. not buying that. Why well, would Odell oh, <laughs> no, fake, fake money. That's <laughs> oh, yes, right. You can redeem this as a coupon, like on my website <laughs> or something. No. It was real money that he was just passing out. You could see the one guy's eyes like light up when he gives him that. <laughs> I mean, you talk about these hundred-dollar well,
1: handshakes. This the, was the players can't be... They can't be in trouble. It, then it comes back to LSU. Then, similarly, if they're going to investigate it, maybe they will. I don't know. But then it, it's weird because the players, several of those guys are going to the NFL, so they'll be long gone by the time yeah. they're the whole. if I there isn't. I saw several so. videos.
2: One with like a CNN reporter like in the middle of it. He's witnessing yeah, he's like, Oh, my it, God, this he, is my opportunity. But, and he, just, he doesn't ask about it. He's yeah. then like, oh, what does it mean to have yeah. this team win? I was like, really? And just ask about what you just witnessed? <laughs> um, and then there's other videos with Odell in the locker room saying he's going to sell this – a player was wearing his, his cleats and he was talking about, He's going to sell them for, like, 200000 or something like that. I mean, it was just, this is what my you know, SEC, has, it just means more. Wow. That was blatant, and I respect him. <laughs> I mean uh, he wasn't trying to do anything under the table no, I just he was yeah. literally on the field
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah. Had he made a big <laughs> bet or he was just <laughs> a
2: proud alum, I don't really know what's going on there but considering that, some that of something.
0: the <laughs> past the Odell Beckham i won't say scandals but kind moments. of wild, <laughs> <you> know, moments <laughs> like this one is definitely one of my favorites yes. it is kind of it's harmless
2: and yeah good stuff um we'll get back to football there are some things to talk about from in recruiting and you know coaching news But, you know, basketball season is actually happening here. Big Ten games are being played. You know, Michigan is really missing Isaiah Livers. I think that almost can be forgotten because now it's been a few games. And they've had – they certainly had a chance to win the Minnesota game Mm -hmm. without him. But that doesn't negate the fact that he's not there. And he was their leading scorer before he left. And he's their best outside shooter. And he's, you know, key upperclassmen. Some teams could afford to lose a guy like that. Michigan really can't. And, sure, they looked fine against teams, you know, in the – bottom third of the country without him. But now it's Big Ten action, and they're one and two without him. Again, losing their two road games, winning their home game. I'm not sure he makes a difference against Michigan State, but I think he would against Minnesota. So I guess the, the next question, of course, is when is he going to come back? I'd say ask again later, as the Magic 8 ball would say. Thursday, this reporter at least is going to really attempt to get to the bottom of this because we've kind of just gotten the day-to-day from Jawan. Right. And I'm just going to say, what does that mean? Because to me, day to day means you don't know today if he might play tomorrow. Right. Okay. I agree. They've known in these days that he's not going to play the next day because he didn't practice and he doesn't dress for the games. So to me, that's more of a week to week thing. And by that, you could say, like, okay, how is he progressing? You know, is there a target date? You know, what's going on here? Because now we'll have, you know, a gap of five days between games with the next one not being till Friday and then the one after that not till Wednesday. So, you know, I can understand when there's a Thursday, Sunday game, that might have been. There wasn't much time there to get a reassessment of things, but I don't know. I saw him out on the floor on, on Sunday, and he was actually still in sweats, but he actually had a ball in his hand at one point. And was kind of joking around, throwing up shots, so he does seem to be getting better. I have to think the day-to-day thing is maybe a tactical
1: thing mm-hmm. from Juwan and the Michigan coaching staff to make the opponents think they have to somewhat prepare. I know coaches do all the time at football. Yeah, Obviously, there are fewer games, and, and there's more people to prepare for, but... I don't know, either the blatantly lying or... Yeah, just I mean, he's, he's be been a,
2: misleading at times because yeah. when we asked about, you know, whether we, he thought he would suit up for Michigan State, he said, you know, a decision hasn't been made or he hadn't thought about it. And then we, we don't even ask the players directly. We just kind of talk about the lineups and, you know, a player will say something like, yeah, it's, you know, it stinks that we're not going to have Isaiah out there. You're like, oh, you're not? <laughs> like, so, you know, they know. They see what's happening in practice. Right. I, I will say that having
0: experienced a severe groin injury in the past, they, it is tough to... You can, might think that you're getting close to coming back, and then when you try and push it a little bit, then you can easily have a setback. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess they might not always want to publicize that or two, but it's, it's a hard injury to gauge timeline-wise when it's going to fully heal
2: and when you're going to be back to 100%. Because it is really tough to get back to 100%. In season with, with a growing injury. Yeah, I don't see the huge benefit in making teams think he might play when he's going to, if he's not going to play. I, I just, I kind of know what's going on. I mean, if he hasn't played the previous game, I, I don't know. I just find it kind of strange. But yeah, their bigger problem. And, you know, now at this point, Ryan, we both read about it because, yeah. it, you know, it, it happened, happened again, yeah. uh, which is uh, an opposing uh, center, you know, Big Ten, big man, just dominating Michigan and you know if they if they win then it's not a huge deal but they've lost now a couple of these games so it's kind of like okay are you going to make a change or are you, you he's admittedly stubborn that's what he's called himself but yeah Big Ten the, the five Big Ten centers Michigan has faced are now averaging 29.8 points per game started with Luca Garza of Iowa career high 44 uh, then Kofi Coburn of Illinois 19 uh, 14 t- rebounds t- too Xavier so- Tillman in Michigan State 20 Travion Williams of Purdue 36 twice his previous career high then on Sunday Daniel Oturu of Minnesota post a career high 30 with 20 in the first half three career highs in, in five games is not exactly what you want to see no no they're just handing out these awards i mean i can tell you who's going to win big 10 player of the week next week it's probably gonna be luka garza again because that's just how it's gone this week it was actually funny oturu like he and uh trayvon Williams shared it you know the two guys that faced michigan shared the award but yeah basically it, it comes down to they are making john tesky play one-on-one defense in the post not sending any sort of help i don't know so like, the question if you, if you don't is th- have they
1: changed their tune on that is yeah. you, are they going to do something
2: different we will see. He yeah. was asked, and he said, "You know, I'm always reevaluating." Right. So I, I thought after the the Purdue game, when when
0: Howard was saying he's stubborn and like, yeah, we, we still believe in John Testy that all right, they're going they're going to Minnesota and say, you know what, we're not going to let Otuwu beat us, mm-hmm. and kind of change and just show that you're trying to make an adjustment mm-hmm. and, and force them to make those threes because yeah, I know you're trying to limit that, but all right, make them do that, and then yeah. you can always go back to all right, we'll go back to man our man on man inside and and see it and force them to go back inside but uh, obviously that was not the case and oturu scored uh, 30 points on 13 of 18
2: shootings so pretty efficient there illinois is the worst big 10 team by far in three-point shooting and that was a team that again they stuck with that strategy Purdue's near the bottom they're under 28 from three Uh, minnesota's in the bottom half these are not like you know elite three-point shooting teams to begin with and again as you mentioned you don't have to pick one strategy and go with it you can some possessions you do it some Change you up, don't right. you you kind of you dig it's called with the guard we tend to go in there and they're not even really doing that there's no fear they're reposting there uh, some some plays uh Otoru get the ball to three point line and turns it back to Teskey and just go to work from there <laughs> like there's no threat of anyone coming to help so i don't know you'll see these other teams double team michigan teskey sometimes yeah. and he doesn't necessarily just kick out for an open three it's it's harder than it the looks to pass out of a double team and get him right. hit the open shot find the open man so it's interesting and again this is you don't think that i know what i'm talking about fine uh i went back and watched some of the game and and robbie hummel uh the analyst from btn calling the game you know said the same thing like he'd really like i'd really like to see them throw a big uh, double team at him at some point he says and it just never came so we'll see you know the modern game is predicated on three-point shooting and Michigan is you know second or third in the country I believe in limiting the three but all that matters is their overall defense has taken a huge step back from the last couple of years and some of that's personnel they don't have Charles Matthews anymore and then some of it it's not just on John Teske inside it's it's denying some of these drives to the basket too on the perimeter it's just kind of strange like Xavier Simpson John Teske have these reputations as elite one-on-one defenders at their positions and you've seen Michigan get burnt by some of the, by opposing point guards and centers. It's been kind of strange. So I don't know exactly what's behind that. You wouldn't, you'd think defense would be pretty steady, right? A guy wouldn't just get better or get, you know, significantly worse at that from one year to the next. So interesting to watch, but uh, yeah, the schedule sends them to Iowa on Friday. Um, They're what, 0-3
1: now in true road game, 0-4?
2: True road games 0-4 oh, in and and true road, road games, games Right okay. With the three Big Ten losses And then um, At Louisville And that's just a trend For the, for the Big Ten There have been Five Big Ten road wins 32 losses Something like that 37 the, losses Whatever made, it is
0: The the Purdue Mission State game Was probably the biggest Surprise of the season After a uh, uh, I mean what Mission State was doing on, they were on a roll and go to Purdue and absolutely lay yeah. today and were dominated by Purdue. Yeah. Which is it's crazy I mean, what's going on. In it's the difficult
1: the to win on the road in any sport, any mm-hmm. any season, but like this is, in rare, this is different
2: than usual. Absolutely. So yeah, it'll be interesting how the committee, selection tournament, yeah. selection committee for yes. the NCAA tournament views this at the end of the year, you know, if like you've just got a cluster of teams that around five hundred won on the ro- who've won at home and <laughs> lost on the road. Do you take that in consideration? Hey, the Big Ten was just loaded this year and it was very hard to win on the road. Every team struggled with it. So we're not going to knock them too much for their overall record. I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it is interesting to see. So that I don't know. That makes it even more when you've got a game that you can win you got to get it, and they were up double digits in the first half and just let it slip away in the final minutes of the first half. They were right there tied in the final three minutes, and then they just went scoreless for a good stretch there at the end. So, yeah, it's, again, not having livers is, is tough. So I don't know. I mean, other things I guess I I could suggest that they do uh, as they try to trim this rotation down. I mean, you're giving a few minutes a game to Adrian Nunez and those minutes aren't really going so well for him and for Michigan. So, yeah, if those minutes instead go to David DeJulius, I think that makes more sense. You don't want Teske playing, you know, 35 minutes. So I still think he needs his subs, but maybe – decide on Colin Castleton or Austin Davis or go game by game instead of giving them each three minutes you know kind of figure out which guy you want there you know Eli Brooks has not been shooting the ball well at all lately but he's still they rave about his defense so you know I see reasons to keep him on the floor and and, you know someone's got to play defense yeah exactly (laughs) someone's got to do it so yeah um, it's interesting it's just it's it's right now there I don't don't think there's reason to, to panic but you are getting beat by the same thing over and over. So how 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 you know long will they continue to just uh, you know let this happen? We'll see. Because Iowa again, Garza already torched them for forty four, and Michigan won that game. They won that game because they scored one hundred and three points, right. <laughs> um, and they did shut down pretty much everyone else. So you want to roll the dice that no one else will will do anything again? Okay, but again, uh, you know, going on the road where they haven't won Iowa has not lost a Big Ten game yet at home. You know, again, it's just been the five Big Ten road wins, and three of them involve Wisconsin. They've won two as, as a road team, and they lost one as a home team. So Wisconsin's just kind of a weird team. Other than them, yeah, there's just been the two. Rutgers at Nebraska, and uh, I think Michigan State did get, yeah, they won at Northwestern. So, you know, the worst teams in the league have, have, have lost at home each but that's yeah it's amazing that's pretty much all i have to say on the basketball front uh, probably before we record our next podcast Jawan howard's son jace will announce where he's going to school that's happening on january 20th on monday uh, what's your production for michigan,
0: michigan.
2: it's <laughs> michigan but you know it's not a done deal i mean right. he is he he will be visiting in ivy you know, brown university he's doing an official visit when they're on a road game just because that's how the schedule worked out for him but he'll be at that brown yale game This coming weekend, and make a decision right after that. I mean, we talk about this with football. Sometimes the team that gets the last crack at you has an advantage. I don't I know, a, outweighed by the fact that his dad is the coach on one of these schools.
1: So. Yeah, I mean it's, it's clear to me that he wants a good education, and he could still get that at Michigan, right. and you could play a more competitive brand of basketball, exactly. too. So, and you have your dad
2: there as the yep. coach, so there's a lot going. I think Michigan has a lot in its court right now. now yeah.
0: And he would be on
2: scholarship at Michigan yes. as well? Uh, he, he told would. me that is all he's discussed. Walking on has never been discussed. So, okay. yes. There was some confusion over some interview he gave where he said, he's going to sign in April, and it'll all make sense why he waited, and I said... I mentioned that. I was like, I think that's why people are confused. He goes, yeah, that was just weird wording by me. I don't know why I don't know why I said that. I didn't mean anything by it. It was just like, <laughs> it would make sense why I waited because I took my time. I wanted it, my decision to make sense. He didn't mean it would make sense right. to other people. So there's that. So yeah, I guess when you transition from hoops recruiting to football recruiting, what is new there? Yeah, what's new is that actually the Michigan's
0: 2022 class has as many commits as the 2021 class at this point. Miles Rouser, uh, a safety from who played at Belleville last year who just transferred to Detroit Martin Luther King last month just announced his commitment on Monday he hasn't ranked yet by the 24-7 sports composite but he's generated significant interest nationally has more than a dozen offers including Penn State Florida Florida State and he's the brother of 2020 cornerback signee Andre Sullivan so there was a a, a big connection there. I talked to Andre Selva, their dad, earlier this year, and I assume he told Miles the same thing as he told Andre. He's like, yeah, I mean, take your time, but if you think you want to play at Michigan, there's no sense in getting a bunch of other offers if you feel comfortable at Michigan. And I know the the family grew up big Michigan fans. His dad was a huge Charles Woodson fan growing up. So, I mean, this isn't really a surprise well also, isn't a surprise, the other 22-2022 commit is the brother of Ben Van Sumeren. So the brother is Alex Van Sumeren, a 2022 defensive lineman from Essexville, Garber. So two family connections in
2: that class as well. Harbaugh loves the family connections, if you figure out. Now, mm-hmm. now the fact that it's the same as the 21 and 22 recruits, does that mean they have a lot of work to do in the Early year or that they've just got a head start on the later year. What, what yeah, I mean, they're,
0: they're. I mean, in the next couple of months, I, I assume there'll be a lot more announcements. They're a little. I mean, I feel like they're a little bit behind at this point. There's several teams in the Big Ten with already a, a handful of commits in that 2021 to one class, um, but there's still not any really need to get worried at this point. There's plenty of time left. And we'll see what happens.
1: When you compare it to 2020's recruiting class, they are behind. But they got so many commitments so early with 2020, it was weird. Like, I mean, typically they'll get commitments up until, I can remember in previous classes, up until signing day in, in February. With the 2020 class, they nailed down a lot of kids early on. This year sounds like it doesn't seem like they're going to get as many or as early, but I don't, I don't think they're in any trouble at all.
0: Yeah, for instance, right now Ohio State has nine commits in that twenty twenty one class, Wisconsin eight, uh, Iowa six, so I mean there's definitely other schools that have kind of jumped off to a quicker start in, in recruiting in that class, but yeah, there's still plenty of schools that are haven't really... Keep in mind, too, and this is just
1: me theorizing, but since they brought in Josh Gass as offensive coordinator last last January, there's been a philosophical change in the type of kid they recruit on the opposite mm-hmm. side of the ball. Maybe that has something to do with them being a little behind schedule at this point. I don't know. But you've seen that in the type of receiver they brought in, in the last class that bring in shorter, more slot guys. Um, so maybe that that plays a factor, too. I, I
2: don't know. That's just me theorizing at sure. this point. Anthony Campanelli, coach, staying put. He is. Is that because – Rutgers went in a different direction, or he will preferred to stay, or I mean, we don't it know. So, it sounds like he turned them down. Campanelli was Rutgers'
1: first choice as defensive coordinator Greg Schiano's in his first year, as many of us know. Uh, he's been putting together staff. His lone open spot the last, I don't know, seven to ten days has been the defensive coordinator position. All reports out of New Jersey, including our sister site, nj.com, quoting sources at Rutgers, all indications have been that Campanelli was their first choice. He was a the guy they wanted. It sounds like, and again, our, our colleagues over at NJ.com are reporting as well that they offered to make Campanelli the highest paid defensive coordinator in the history of the school. What that dollar amount amounted to be, I don't know. I'd, I presume close to million million a year. He apparently has turned him down. He's staying. Now, Campanelli's name came up a few weeks ago as well for the Boston College job. Uh, Jeff Hafley, the old co-offense coordinator at Ohio State, took the Boston College job. He wanted Campanelli as well for the defensive coordinator job at Boston College. They went a different direction there. It's unclear whether he turned them down or Boston College went a different direction. Mm-hmm. That, and Then it became Michigan and Rutgers. Our, again, our colleagues over at NJ.com are reporting there was a bidding war for Campanelli uh, between Rutgers and Michigan. I don't know exactly what that means, but with Rutgers going in a different direction, hiring Rob Smith, he was a analyst at Texas A&M this past season, former defensive coordinator at Minnesota. It sounds like Capanelli's staying at Michigan. I presume that means he's going to get a new contract of some sort. Yeah, sorts. promotion. I mean, yeah, there's obviously promotion.
2: Partridge left, Like he could move up in the coaching he ladder could. even within Michigan. Yeah. You know, that, order.
1: Right. Could that mean his job in a secondary, special teams coordinator? Could he possibly be a co-defensive coordinator with Don Brown? Uh, that remains to be seen. I presume some type of pay raise is involved here. He's just entered his second year of his two-year agreement here at Michigan. Uh, he was making a little over four hundred thousand dollars a year. So we're going we're to get the new updated contract details for the next few weeks, assuming there are some. I would be surprised if his pay jumps significantly, upwards of you know close to five, six,
2: seven hundred thousand dollars a year for a guy is eight, You know he's young, thirty-seven, he's pretty inexperienced overall yeah. in the college game, and yet he's in the middle of a bidding war. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. Pretty good. I guess it speaks to maybe his value too uh, within Michigan, as not just as a coach, but as a recruiter too. We've talked yes. about his the yeah. New Jersey, Jersey connection. Him,
1: him and Partridge were Mi- Michigan's pipeline to stay New Jersey. They lost that when Partridge left for Ole Miss earlier this month. So in a way, Campanella was kind of one of the last holdout, the last guy there. Um, so they they probably felt the need to keep him. Harbaugh felt the need. He's a young guy. He's he, I guess he's a he's a brash, bold guy. You know, Josh Uche was on record this season as saying he's i uh, more of a hard ass than Don Brown, uh-huh. use my language. But so it's – Campanelli's a guy that Harbaugh feels like he wanting to keep. He's, he's clearly made an effort to keep. Uh, it sounds like he's staying put for 2020 at the very least. So he's still here, but some players are gone. Several are, yeah. It's hard to keep track at this point since the last time we recorded who has left. I I do know a couple guys, True Wilson running back. He announced he was going to leave. Mm -hmm. Uh, His name is in the transfer portal. Presumably he's going to leave. Safety Jalen Kelly Powell is in the transfer portal. Not surprised either one of these guys... Uh, Wilson is, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about a ton now. Michigan's bringing back a ton of guys at running back. All three guys, all the three other significant contributors last this past season will be back next season. Chris, Chris Evans will be here. We talked a lot about Blake Corum. Uh, Michigan will be deep at running back. True Wilson probably looked at it like he gets some carries elsewhere. He is set to graduate, so he will get his Michigan degree. So he's electing to move on. Jalen Kelly Powell, uh, more interesting, I think, just because defensive back room could probably use him. He's been at safety for the better part of the last couple of years. But Michigan seems like they have their safeties in place for next year as well. Brett Hawkins and, and Daxton Hill. Also, maybe he just want to play backup and wants to get you know snaps elsewhere. That remains to be seen. Uh, but yeah, I mean Michigan's been busy. Michigan players have been busy in the transfer portal. Uh, but a lot of these guys, again, like I mentioned, aren't huge surprises. They're guys that you know see the handwriting on the wall, so to speak, in terms mm-hmm. of their playing time, and they wanted to go elsewhere to try and get it. Can't blame them. But yeah, that's it pretty much on the transfer transfer news.
0: Might as well mention a little hockey. There hasn't been much positive Michigan hockey news this year. I'll allow it. <laughs> but uh, Wolverines started the second half of the season with a sweep, a road sweep over number fourteen Notre Dame, winning three to one and three to nothing on the road. Still under five hundred at nine nine eleven and two overall and four seven and one in the Big Ten. So a lot of work to do to get back into the NCAA tournament conversation. Uh, but a strong start to the second half of the year uh, for the Wolverines, behind some strong goaltending by Mitt uh, Aaron's favorite hockey player, Strauss Mann. So yeah, we'll we'll see if they can continue that momentum. They have another road series at uh, number six Penn State this weekend. Uh, A win or two there could really go a long way into uh, maybe jump-starting a second-half run to get them back into, like I said, the Mm -hmm. NCAA tournament conversation. And a former Michigan defenseman is headed to the All-Star Game in his rookie season as well. Quinn Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks was one of the last people voted into the All-Star Game, uh, having a tremendous rookie season, four goals, 27 assists, and 44 games. Um, Been a a pleasant surprise for a a surprising vancouver to team that is currently holding down a playoff spot a lot. Not much was expected of them this year, but good to see Quinn uh, getting recognized. Early on in, in his career, you do a write in vote
2: for him? I, I did not do it. Too much integrity, as a <laughs> yeah. voice. even though you don't cover him anymore. Is the NHL all fan vote for the All No, so there's uh, four. The, the
0: initial rosters were announced on December 30th, and one mm-hmm. member of each team were put up to a vote and one player from each division got voted in and Hughes had the highest amount of votes for the Pacific Division. So that's fans love him and I I think it was
2: deserved too. I think what he's been able to do has been pretty impressive. Well that concludes this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. A lot of you folks have been rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Thanks to everyone who did that except that one person who gave us only three stars. Keep it up if if you haven't done it, do it. We'll be back next week.